1: new one is now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
2: I hope that Tommy is listening downstairs in his lair. (laughs) Tommy and I are always debating and uh, talking music. And uh, actually, most of the time we actually land at the same spot. Uh, But one of the bands we disagree about the most, other than the Beatles, of course, is the Cold War Kids. I love him. He does like him, but whatever. <laughs> That's what makes music great, to each their own. Hope you're having a great Tuesday. Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us uh, here on the show. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, you can always find it on the Nuana's Now podcast, probably presented by the M Store, as well as the Montana State Bookstore. Also, if you want to stream the show, you always can on the ESPN MT app as well as on our station website, 1029espn.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, call us, text us, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. Let's dive into our Coach's Corner. It's presented by Dave Maldonado and Maldonado Law. You don't want to fight the insurance companies by yourself. You want help. Dave is a seasoned litigator who's specialized in criminal defense for more than 10 years, but he's also an expert when it comes to personal injury, and uh, Dave can help you. If you've been in a car accident you want help fighting the insurance companies, let Dave and his firm at Maldonado Law help you. Visit BigSkyDefender.com to see uh, how Dave can help you out. This is, is interesting because we are we're playing this upcoming interview because of a news hook, but I recorded this interview before the news hook occurred. So uh, I've been efforting the new head coaches in Big Sky Conference football just to get some perspective, talk about their programs, and uh, educate the uh, the masses on what's going down at Cal Poly, who hired Paul Wolf this offseason, Weaver State, who hired uh, Mickey Mental, Northern Colorado, who hired an old friend, Ed Lamb, and... Uh, Idaho State, who hired Cody Hawkins. So a lot of turnover in the Big Sky Conference football ranks. Four new coaches coming in this new year. So we'll have interviews with those guys here over the next couple weeks, including Paul Wolf here in just a couple minutes. But we talked to Coach Wolf a couple weeks ago, and that was before he had landed his big five-star recruit. Sam Heward, one of the top quarterback recruits in the country coming out of high school. He spent the last couple years at the University of Washington he hit the transfer portal, and against all odds, he committed to Cal Poly. The tie that binds is Sheldon Cross, who is uh, was Hewitt's high school coach. Cross also has a big sky experience. He was at Idaho State, and uh, so that's a, that's one way to lure. So that's just a prerequisite here. I have not talk to Coach Wolf about the acquisition of Sam Heward because we recorded this interview before that, but we'll t- we'll play this interview now and then we'll talk about Sam Heward and what his prestige and pedigree means in terms of big Sky conference quarterback recruits. Well, happy now for the first edition of our Coach's corner for twenty twenty three. And usually we're talking to high school coaches from around the state of Montana, but this is a big Sky conference-oriented coaches corner today, and we're joined by now new Cal Poly head football coach Paul Wolf, Coach Wolf. I know we tacked you last fall, but in a different capacity, so congratulations on the new gig. How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm excited to be in this situation, and, and uh, a lot of work moving forward, but, but things are going in a great direction for us.
2: Well, you have been a head coach before, first at Eastern Washington and then at Washington State, and your life's kind of led you full circle to return to the big sky now at Cal Poly and now taking over for Bo Baldwin after he takes the offensive coordinator job at Cal uh, at Arizona State, excuse me, came from Cal and now takes the offensive coordinator job there uh, at Arizona State. Um, I know that in the moment, maybe it's something that you thought might be a possibility if Coach Baldwin moved on, but in the broad picture did you ever imagine years ago that someday you'd be the head coach at Cal Poly
1: no no not at all i mean <laughs> it, it, you just never know you know in this business you, you know you take a job and and um, you know maybe you're gone before you want to go or or things change in, in front of you and even this came up you know kind of you know out of out of nowhere to be honest and uh, uh and it happened so fast but um but i'm prepared for it and uh know the program right now inside and out because we've been here for the last 2 years and and three years, actually, and, and um, you know, we're heading in a great direction, and um, so that part's been, you know, a benefit for myself and the coaches that uh, were able to stay on staff.
2: You mentioned that it is kind of come out of nowhere. That's kind of how these things work this day and age. I mean, the Arizona State opening happened and then Kevin Dillingham was hired and then all of a sudden you have all these coaches from across the west sort of migrating their way to Tempe it's sort of a phenomenon the way that this works now and uh, in the power five especially you got to kind of got to hit the ground running so I mean what was your initial reaction when you heard that coach Baldwin was leaving and that this opportunity might be available
1: well I was I was uh I was hopeful you know and and um I I know I'd created some relationships with our administration and and um and I know they felt really good about what we've been doing from a recruiting standpoint and developing these young men. Although the wins on the field, you know, have not been there the previous couple of years, but but you know we were flipping a a program from a triple option offense into a post style offense and and um, just changing the type of young men athletically that we were recruiting. So it was going to be they knew it was going to take a little longer than the average rebuild, um, but we feel like we're we're headed in a great direction that way and. And, um, you know, when it happened, it happened quick, but I think everyone felt really positive uh, with my experience um, being a head coach and that uh, our staff wanted to stay here and we have a lot of quality staff. And so uh, I think keeping, keeping the momentum, keeping the same people and really, you know, the connections that these coaches have with these young players we've recruited the last two years was, was, was pretty vital.
2: Paul Wolf joining us here on ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television around the state of Montana and on the ESPN MT app. He is the new head coach at Cal Poly. This is our Coach's Corner. It's presented by Maldonado La. Maldonado La, your Big Sky defender. Coach, you mentioned just sort of the the program overhaul that's going on at Cal Poly. And I got to know Coach Walsh uh, really well, well his, during his time there at Cal Poly. I had a lot of respect for what he did. But what you guys are doing are, is so much different uh, than the style that, that Coach Walsh was employing. So, I mean, what is the building process like, kind of transitioning away from a triple option style? I know that has influences on the defensive end as well. I mean, what is what is it like to try to sort of overhaul this thing and uh, bring Cal Poly into a completely new identity on both sides of the ball?
1: you know at times very painful <laughs> you know and totally and as you you could see when we played the the two montana schools the last few years it just have been real pretty and and that's going to happen and unfortunately you know this is not the type of school where we can bring in a tremendous amount of four uh, year transfers or junior college transfers our academics are are pretty stringent and um, we have to have a high academic individual come here and so those just r- really aren't in the transfer portal as much obviously uh, or even from the junior college ranks. Now, I'm not saying we won't take young men from those two areas. We will, um, but the percentage is pretty low. Um, so you got to go with the high school route, you know. And when you do that, you're playing a lot of young men that really probably shouldn't be playing the volume of reps each Saturday against guys that have been, you know, been in the weight room three, four years. Uh, they kind of knock guys around, and that has happened to us the last few years. Um, you know, and, and as these kids mature that have played maybe before their time, um, they're going to be better for it. You know, we just have to go through those growing pains. You know, the, the only way to get out of a, a, a you know a complete rebuild like we were doing is, is really kind of go through this process, unfortunately, n- that nobody likes, but, but it's necessary to get us to where we want to get to. And, and, uh, you know, you, I look, it's been interesting. You went to Georgia Tech, uh, uh, when they got rid of, uh, Paul Johnson and they made the transition with, uh. With Collins, it's it, it took take some time to to change the philosophy, change the the, the style and athlete that you're bringing in. So um, that's kind of where we were at. I, I do think that people are going to be surprised on on our improvement this year. I think we're going to take a big step, though.
2: Football is so so much like a pendulum, right? It swings back and forth, and it's so interesting to analyze the Big Sky Conference over the last thirty or so years. Just the the different styles that have taken precedent, and then the ways that teams have either. Sort of replicated that style, or maybe gotten the polar opposite. As of right now, though, when you watch the national championship game on Sunday, or you watch, you know, what Montana State did this year to run to the Big Sky Conference championship, it seems like there's a heavy emphasis on line play and running the football. What would you, what do you think of just sort of the way that the Big Sky has evolved, and where do, how do you think uh, your philosophies, both previously and now, fit into that?
1: yeah you know it has definitely changed you know the the ability to run the football in this conference has gotten so much more physical like the midwest teams were you know have been in the over the years and uh particularly with running with the quarterbacks you know and in in the olden days you would uh wouldn't run your quarterback because they were built on throwing the football and you and you wouldn't want them to get hurt by taking the pounding and um but now we've got some more durable guys in there that can run the football uh and and sustain those kind of hits that uh you know quarterbacks in past years didn't and so it definitely changes you know you gain numbers obviously in the run game and so you you have bigger plays in the run game when you were able to run your quarterback so you know it's it's different you know and 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 uh it's very effective and um if somebody can control the clock and run the ball it, that makes it really hard on any other offense and so um it's definitely changed I, I think for us uh in my past philosophy when we were at eastern washington and we built the program there it was based on physicality and size but we wanted to be explosive in the passing game as well and so balance was a key thing for us back then uh and and that's our philosophy going to be here at, at, at cal poly i mean we, we've got the ability to hopefully get the athletes and throw the ball in the air uh, a good amount we want to be exciting want to be explosive in the pass game, um, but the element of being physical in the run game is, is a must because if you don't, you're going to get beat by teams that run the ball extremely well so we've got to have balance there we've got to be able to like complement football to help our defense um, out better than we've done and you know those will be some of the emphasis moving forward for us.
2: Coach's Corner presented by Maldonado Law, Dave Maldonado, the Big Sky Defender. You can find any and all ways that Dave can help you out at BigSkyDefender.com. Paul Wolf, Cal Poly new head coach, joining us here on Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio, as well as statewide television on SWX Montana TV. And, Coach, there's been much made of uh, the challenges at Cal Poly just because it is an elite academic institution, one of the great polytechnic and STEM schools in the country. How do you sort of use that uh Th- those challenges, that academic prestige, to your advantage.
1: You know, I I think when you look right now at, at what our graduates are doing when they leave this school, I mean, a majority of these young people here um, have jobs before they walk across the graduation stage, and um, and they're they're doing extremely well right out of right out of college. First job, some of these kids are making six figures, and and uh, when you see that, and you know that that's a lifelong forty year um degree that you're getting um i think a lot of high academic kids that are great athletes you know want to have that and um you know there's enough out there to do that and we've got to be able to mind those young men i mean our philosophy is that we want to compete for co- uh, you know conference championships and win a national championship and be in that kind of pool athletically and that has not been a you know a huge emphasis for this school um it is now so our goal is to entice those young men that want to be able to come to a winning program and have a chance to compete for for titles, um, in addition to have a phenomenal academic institution and, and have a degree that that's going to last forever. Um, there are all young men out there that, that want that. And um, our job is to build a football program up to our academic level. And, uh, and you know, with John Madden's big gift and and the Madden family, um, developing a, a new football facility, a $30 million facility uh that we're going to start construction on here in a, in a few months um is a huge step in that direction
2: and Cal Poly has tradition I mean I think five playoff appearances over the last 18 or so years I mean Rich Ellerson that uh, was a great coach and, and uh, had Cal Poly in the, at least competitively close to the playoffs often and I mean Tim Walsh had a couple different playoff appearances there at Cal Poly and was close a couple other times as well so um how do you sort of feed off of that or reignite the already existing success that has been at Cal Poly?
1: I mean, you know, by winning, you know, we've we've gotta be able to get back in that in that Position where we're winning games, you know, weekly, and uh, put ourselves in a position to compete for a playoff spot and, and a, a, ch- a championship. And um, it's hard work, and it's going to be a commitment and dedication by everybody involved here on our campus and, and our and our players. And uh, we feel like we have the young nucleus of young men that, that can put us in those situations moving forward. Um, we got to continue to coach them hard. We got to develop them, uh, develop them as, as young men, and develop their physical bodies. But I, I feel like you just keep doing what we're doing. You work hard, you develop them hard, and um, you know you you keep growing them. And uh, once we elevate our, our performance on the field, I think all the other things will fall in place.
2: Paul Wolf, Cal Poly head coach here on Nuanas Now. Last thing for you, Coach, what is the most exciting part about this new opportunity taking over as a first-year head coach in the Big Sky Conference?
1: You know, taking this program to levels it's never been, and, and that's, that's exciting as as a head coach uh to be able to work with our staff and, and people with on on our campus to move a program forward to do things that it's never really accomplished on a consistent basis and so um that's exciting to me and um you know just the work of it you know the work it takes to go in then watching it grow watch the successes along the way of course there's heartache along the way but um, watching the growth is going to be, is to me, is what's fun. And um, I'm excited for that and looking forward to all the success moving forward. Well, Coach, I'm sure we'll
2: keep tabs with you and uh, catch up with you throughout the offseason leading up to the 2023 football season. But, again, congratulations, and uh, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on ESPN Radio.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. There you go, Paul Wolf, head coach
2: of Cal Poly, He's in the news because he is the new head coach. Cal Poly in the news this week. We recorded that interview eh, a little bit more than two weeks ago. But Cal Poly in the news this week because they landed Sam Heward, who, if you uh, take stock in star ratings and recruiting profiles, may be... The highest profile and most highly rated quarterback or prospect period to ever come to the Big Sky Conference. Hewitt is a a 6'2", 195-pounder at a Kennedy Catholic in Bellevue, Washington. He was rated by 24-7 Sports as a five-star recruit. So what does that mean? According to 247 Sports, there's only ever, I believe, between 28 and 34 five-star recruits in the country. He was the highest-rated quarterback in the United States of America. He went to Washington. He redshirted a year ago. And uh, now he is transferring to Cal Poly. The tie that binds, other than living on the beach in San Luis Obispo, California, is Sheldon Cross. Sheldon Cross... Was the high school coach there at uh, Kennedy Catholic? <laughs> he also has ties to the Big Sky Conference. He was uh, at Idaho State for a little while, and uh, he he's had multiple different uh, college stops, including at New Mexico Highlands, Iowa Wesleyan, and now would be the new head coach. At uh, or the new uh, offensive coordinator, excuse me, at um, Cal Poly. This though, the, the news of Sam heward landing at Cal Poly itself certainly newsworthy and uh, sent some shockwaves across the Big Sky. I was thinking though about all the highest-rated quarterbacks I've seen in the Big Sky Conference. I was also thinking about all the best quarterbacks I've seen in my 17 years covering the Big Sky Conference. Those two things are not one and the same. That, to me, is a part of a bigger conversation. I don't know if it's actually a coincidence. But First of all, if you are a five-star recruit, particularly a five-star quarterback, I think that there's so much higher of a chance that you're going to fail than you're going to succeed. Because how do you exceed being one of the top three or four players at your position in the country? I mean, every once in a while you do. Like every once in a while, there's the Justin Fields and the Trevor Lawrence's of the world that are just the best player in the country coming out of high school, and then the best player in the country in college. Deshaun Watson probably fits that mold as well. But for every Deshaun Watson, uh, there's a, you know there's a Jimmy Clausen. You know, for I'm trying to think of some other Elite Eleven guys that have that have washed out. But here's the best guys I've seen, or not the best, the most highly rated guys, the most prestigious recruits I've seen in the Big Sky Conference. Montana State has had three four-star recruits in the last five years at quarterback. Tyler Brugman, he started half the year at Montana State before getting replaced by a true freshman named Chris Murray. Travis Johnson, once upon a time, had 53 Division I offers. He took official visits to Penn State, Alabama, and uh, landed at Oregon. A calamity of errors Resulted in Travis Johnson. Uh, Travis Johnson was going to be the star- the true freshman starter at a Servite High School at the University of Oregon when Mark Helfrich was still there. He graduated early. He arrived on the University of Oregon campus. Then he slipped on the ice and broke his foot. That put uh, Oregon in a, a terrible situation where they had to go get a quarterback. And ironically, they went and got Dakota Prukop, who was a grad transfer from Montana State. Well, then Johnson. Can't beat out Pruka, but then he also can't beat out another guy named Justin Herbert, who now is an all-pro quarterback for the Los Angeles Chargers. So Johnson transfers back home to play at Riverside Community College. There, he can't catch a break either because Victor Viramontes, who was the California Player of the Year who committed uh, to Minnesota right out of high school, he transfers back home ahead of Travis Johnson, so now he's behind another uh, four-star quarterback. Then Johnson finally matriculates his way to Bozeman, and what do you know, he slips on the ice and breaks his foot again. The end of the story is that Travis Johnson became an all-big sky-wide receiver and a dual-threat-type wildcat-type quarterback guy at MSU, and then he went on to uh, play for a couple years in the National Football League. So he fulfilled his athletic potential, just not as a quarterback. And then the Bobcats also, two years ago, had Matt McKay, a former four-star recruit who was a transfer from North Carolina State, who then ended up at Montana State, and he started 10 games, 11 games, I guess, then got benched and then subsequently transferred, and the beginning of Tommy Malott's legend began. Other highly rated quarterbacks that we've seen in the Big Sky Conference that had little to no success, Keandre Woodkey, who was at Northern Arizona. He's a former four-star guy, in Oklahoma State transfer. Uh, He was the starter there at NAU for the the spring season, and that was about it. And then he he fell out of favor, and then R.J. Martinez happened. And I have no idea whatever happened to Woodkey, but he was – Nowhere to be found, so he had little to no success in the Big Sky. Kyle Padron, who was a former four-star recruit out of Texas, who spent some time at SMU, he transferred to Washington. You probably don't remember him because he was only the starter there for about half the season, then he got beat out by one and only Vernon Adams, one of the best quarterbacks I've covered in the Big Sky Conference, a guy that was a no-star recruit. <laughs> Maybe he had two stars, I don't know, but he was not a blue chipper by any means coming out of high school, but then he went and threw for like 13,000 yards at Eastern Washington, and he's still playing professionally uh, as we sit here today. And then a couple of the other most high-profile quarterback recruits we've seen in the Big Sky, both played at Northern Colorado last year on the same team. Dylan McCaffrey, a five-star guy who spent a bunch of time at Michigan and then went to play for his father there at Northern Colorado and had two uh, mediocre at best seasons with a total of six wins. And then his backup, Jacob Sermon, a four, former four, four star guy and elite 11 quarterback, a guy who started his career at Washington and then ended up at Central Michigan and now is at the Colorado. He likely will be the starter this upcoming year uh, with Ed Lamb at the helm. But basically, all of the guys I just named were uh, average to below average to irrelevant. In the big sky. So I guess I'm not trying to have a premonition of poor performance to come for Sam Heward. All I'll say is that all of the guys in the same vein and, and let's make no mistake, Sam Heward is much more highly rated than any of those guys I just named. All those guys I just named were really good players. You're talking like top fifty, top seventy-five quarterback recruits in the country coming out of high school, but they weren't top three quarterback recruits in the country or top twenty-five recruits, period. I mean, Sam Heward is widely considered the most prestigious recruit the university of Washington's ever gotten considered considering his star rating and his composite, uh, his composite, uh, evaluation as a prospect, his composite evaluation was 0.9935. 1.0 is the highest you could possibly get. It's a perfect score. So basically he got a 99.35%, uh, pretty darn good. Um, for Heward, uh, And so, make no mistake, he has more prestige and more pedigree than any of the guys that have landed in the Big Sky in recent years. But three star, four star, five star, it means next to nothing in the Big Sky Conference uh, only because of a variety of reasons. First of all, I think if you come in thinking you're a big shot and that you're going to dominate the league, you got another thing coming. I also think that there's a certain element of uh, being able to control and lead a program, be a face of a program. And also, I think a lot of the guys that are four- and five-star recruits are over in high school. And then the last point I'll make on this is I think that what you are when you're 18 as a football player, quarterback or otherwise, and what you become by the time you're 21, 22, and 23 years old is so vastly different and so much more different than any other sport in collegiate athletics. You never know how a guy's going to grow and mature physically, mentally, the development, all of it. So often the guys that are the three- and four- and five-star recruits in high school, they're men amongst boys. They're more physically mature. But then if, they, if, if everybody catches up to them, that element is sort of uh, undercut. Also, though, I think having a chip on your shoulder is something that can drive you, quarterback or otherwise. So we'll do more on the Big Sky quarterback situation. But the news of the week in the Big Sky, Sam Huard. Five star recruit lands at Cal Poly, thanks to Paul Wolf, Cal Poly head coach, for joining us. We had not caught up with Coach Wolf about the uh, the newest quarterback for the Mustangs when we did that interview. But either way, uh, good catching up with Coach Wolf. Away from football, into football. Avery Collins, Bozeman High School product and a Stanford, Washington State standout, who then went on to play professionally uh, in the top. Professional women's soccer league in the country. She recently announced her retirement. Andrew Houghton caught up with Avery Collins uh, earlier this week. Our footy 15 presented by Flanagan Motors is next. Keep it right here. is now ESPN Radio.
0: ESPN Radio.
2: Hooting the blowfish kicks ass. I'm not taking any other opinions on that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Welcome back to Honest Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Appreciate you for rolling with us here on your Tuesday. Time now for our 4015 presented by Flanagan Motors. Flanagan Motors, locally owned and operated and proud to support soccer across the city of Missoula for more than 50 years Go check out Flanagan Motors right there on Stevens. This week on 4015, which is an excerpt from Soccer in Snow and Smoke, presented by Zootown Sports Cards, as well as Blackfoot Communications, uh, a soccer podcast produced and hosted by Andrew Houghton. We have Avery Collins. She's a Bozeman, Montana native, a former multiple sports star uh, for the Bozeman Hawks. She went on to have an outstanding and successful career at Stanford and Washington State, played in the NCAA tournament multiple times, and uh, then played professionally. And Andrew caught up with her uh, because uh, her soccer career professionally is now winding down. Anything you want to add to set this up, Andrew, or do you want us to just roll the tape?
3: Well, we can roll in just a second here, Coulter, but uh, just uh, an awesome interview as well. I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Avery Collins taking the time. She's just transitioning into her new job, new career, She's busy, hectic schedule and everything. Uh, still took the time to give me about 20 minutes uh, last night to talk about her career. Uh, so this is about half of that podcast right now, a little sneak peek, uh, and we'll have the rest of it for you coming out on Soccer and Stone Smoke later this week. Well, Avery, like I said, thanks so much for taking the time here to to come on. Why don't you give everybody just an update on where you're at? You were playing with the Washington Spirit. That was your last team in the NWSL. But it seems like you have some updates on your career to share.
4: Yes. So I guess heard it here first. I've actually just decided to retire this season. And I have kind of quickly transitioned to uh, working actually for a startup here still in the D.C. area so I can cheer on my spirit girls, of course. Um, But that's kind of what's new in my life. So I have moved on from soccer. What was that decision like? And and just the process
3: of arriving at a decision like that. And I know that you've suffered through some injuries. You were dealing with some ACL rehab. You were going through that. But just how do you arrive at the decision to give up the game and move on to something else?
4: Yeah, um, I think that's always a really difficult decision for any athlete. But I just kind of felt like it was time. Yeah, I kind of struggled with some injury. My tore my ACL my last season in the league. had some complications, and um, I think that time just gave me some space from the game and made me want to go and kind of explore myself in different directions. But I think, as any athlete knows, it's like as we start to take that step away – There's definitely so many doubts of, oh, should I be doing this? Do I make the right decision? Um, Because soccer has always been such a big part of my life and I think will always continue to be. And it's just finding ways to channel that love in other ways, which may not be on the field, but maybe it's watching or maybe it's coaching further down the line.
3: Sure, so definitely staying involved in the game, staying active uh, and interested in the game. But can you tell us anything more about this new opportunity that you're getting into. You mentioned you're working for a startup down there in Tyson's corner.
4: Oh yeah. Um, so I'm working for a startup. It's called range and we're actually doing wealth management um, and trying to create an all in one solution, kind of a a sleek technology using technology to break the traditional financial wealth management um, market. But what's funny is I really never saw myself doing something outside of sports. So um, that has also been something that was just a complete change is going and learning something new that I haven't really learned about my whole life. I did uh, debate kind of working for the spirit or staying in the sports world, but this opportunity kind of came about and I just felt like I couldn't turn it down. So that's, that's how I ended up here. Life's funny, huh? Yeah, definitely. And uh, what an impressive
3: career turn, right? I don't understand anything about the wealth management field. Certainly that's not something that I'm very good at, but going from playing, professional soccer, and, and jumping right into a new field like that. Super impressive. It's Avery Collins joining us on Soccer and Snow and Smoke, recently retired professional soccer player with the Washington Spirit in the NWSL, and you will know her resume from Montana High School Soccer in Bozeman, won a state championship with Bozeman, was the Montana Gatorade State Player of the Year as a senior, went on to Stanford and then on to Washington State and then on to the NWSL. And Avery, that's kind of what I want to talk with you about the most here. What was it like coming out of Montana and coming out of a state that's not so much known for soccer talent and making it big like that? I mean, what was that process like? Maybe even walk us back all the way to when you were coming out of high school in Bozeman.
4: Mm, uh, Yeah. Definitely coming out of Montana, um, I think the first thing that just comes to mind is, like, it takes a village. I had so many people in my corner that were just so incredible. My parents, uh, my mom, she's really the MVP. Um, but also just having great coaches. I know you've had Erica on here. Um, she was a huge factor in my success in helping encourage me to think that I could play at that next level. Um, her, I had some great club coaches, uh, Brody and Tim Gunsler, who they really also helped pave the way and helped get me thinking that to get at the next level, I had to get outside of Montana, Um, which I think any players who are playing in Montana, a lot of it just comes down to exposure, right? So a lot of the people who get looks are coming out of California or Texas who they just get to play year-round, I think is the biggest difference. And so getting to a stage where I could compete against some of that top talent to prove that maybe I could compete at the, Pac-12 or whatever level I wanted to. That was, like, really huge in being someone who came out of Montana, um, kind of taking advantage of those opportunities. Um, And then I think the second part of your question was just then getting to the big stage. What was that like? And as any athlete who goes, whether it's from high school to college, college to pro, it's always just an increase in the caliber, caliber of the game. So quicker pace, you're playing against better athletes you're learning the tactics in a different way that I really had never been taught. I think that was maybe the coolest thing about every time stepping up a level is just getting to be around coaches and other players who just knew the game so well Um, and kind of getting to see, oh, how they play. I mean, getting to play along with some of the best players now that are playing on the national team, like Katerina Macario, getting to watch her practice daily, like that's pretty cool. So, I think that was definitely a learning curve for me, but I think any kid from Montana, the one thing we all got going for us is we have a little chip on our shoulder. We're pretty hard workers, so that was cool. What an experience. Um, Definitely would never want to change that.
3: When did you first start thinking seriously about going and playing college soccer at at a really high level that you thought you might have an opportunity to make it really big to make it to the Pac-12? (laughs)
4: <laughs> um, well, I always joked that my dad wanted me to play basketball, so I had to do everything in my power to not, not go that direction. Um, but I think really when it became serious was when I, my mom helped me, um, start playing for a club team out of Utah. And it was when I started playing with the Utah girls that it became serious that I could potentially play there. But more than that, it was like going on these Utah with the Utah team to these games, we now have the exposure of scouts. When I was playing on the Montana team, uh, I remember scouts would say, oh yeah, that's cool that you're playing well there, but can you play against these other top top prospects? And so when we started playing on the Utah team, I remember it's crazy. The first game I played with them, there was like six Pac-12 coaches on the sideline. So a lot of it's just exposure.
3: Yeah, and I guess we should mention here about your family too, and I didn't know the extent of all of this until Coulter Nguyen has explained it to me, but your dad, Shane Collins from Bozeman, he played in the NFL for a couple of years. I knew your brother Grant Collins from when he played Montana State football, but you really had quite a lot of athletic experience in the family, right? Yeah, that's for sure. Does that help as well? Do you think just uh, you know having people who have gone through it, having people who can sort of uh, tell you the way to go with your your dad especially?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think both my brother and my dad um, were huge resources through the process. And also just like learning growing up, especially with my older brother and like learning to compete, whether it was against my brother on the 1v1 basketball court or wherever you go, that kind of competitive culture was just woven into our family from the start. So that was definitely a bonus. I got to ask,
3: why was it soccer and, and not basketball for you?
4: Yeah, ultimately, I think when Stanford came to the table, uh, it was kind of game over. And I knew that not only was it one of the best athletic programs, but the academic opportunities were unparalleled.
3: No doubt. What did you end up studying at Stanford? And what was that like also from the academic side? I mean, you jumped into one of the best college soccer teams in the country. You were there for three years. I think you won three Pac-12 titles. You won a national championship. You're in the NCAA tournament every year. But you're also balancing that with, I mean, everybody knows about Stanford's reputation for the academics, the studies. What was it like just balancing those two things?
4: Yeah, it was probably the hardest thing of my life at that time. The two things, you kind of go to Stanford thinking you're good at academics and athletics. All of a sudden you show up and you start to realize that you are were a big fish in a little pond. So I ended up studying engineering at Stanford and um, uh, got my ass kicked a lot of the times, but, um, quite frankly. Um, but I think again, it was just another test to teach you and like teach you self-belief at the end of the day of like, I can do this, whether it's soccer, whether it's academics, I'll persevere. So yeah, it was definitely difficult by, uh, every, every way.
3: It's Avery Collins joining us on Soccer and Snow and Smoke. Recently retired professional soccer player. She played a couple of years in the NWSL with the Washington Spirit. But originally from Bozeman, a great high school player at Bozeman High School in Montana. uh, And one of the few players from Montana to really make it professionally and to make it at the top levels of college soccer. She's in here talking about getting her ass kicked at Stanford. Well, she graduated from Stanford in four years and scored 10 goals and won a national championship with the Cardinals. So seems like it came out pretty good. But why would you make the decision after graduating from Stanford then to move on to Washington State for that last year?
4: Yeah, I decided to go to Washington State because I wanted to play professionally. Um, and I felt like I needed to have a consistent year of starts and minutes under my belt to achieve that. Also, it was incredible to kind of play closer to home and have my parents at every game supporting me. So that was just the added bonus of it. But ultimately, it was really just to chase the dream of playing pro.
2: Avery Collins, our footy 15, presented by Flagon Motors, an excerpt from Soccer in Snow and Smoke. You want to hear the full interview? Subscribe to Soccer in Snow and Smoke, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. Rate, review, all that good stuff. Thanks to Avery. Thanks to Andrew. And uh, thanks to Flanagan Motors for presenting Footy 15. And thanks to uh, Zootown Sports Cards and Blackfoot Communications for their continued support of soccer in snow and smoke. We'll get you set up for the rest of the week. Next, keep it right here. You want us now, ESPN Radio.
1: Oh! It's on is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana television
2: If streaming music would have kept track of your statistics, that would have been my most played song in 2010. I checked out that CD from the Ellensburg Library and I would just cruise around on my bike listening to it A little portable CD player. That's crazy 2010's not that long ago. And that was still the state of my life. <laughs> I loved it. Miss Ellensburg, man. What a great little town that was. A fun living there for the couple years I made it my home. yes' no ESPN Radio. Miss anything in the show? You can always find it on the podcast, presented by the M Store and the MSU Bookstore. Tomorrow, Wednesday, around the big sky, women's hoops across the red path. We'll also hear from Treasure Benford, the head coach of the Montana State women's basketball team. We got our ESPN roundtable. We'll do Big Sky Conference midseason awards. Andrew Houghton will chip in with his, uh, his uh, midseason all conference teams for both men and women. And uh, we also got some Grizz hockey chat uh, and some Cat Grizz tickets. So a whole bunch of stuff uh, coming down the pipe. But also for uh, your pleasure and enjoyment, last year our 10th anniversary at ESPN Radio. We gave you 10 wings every 10 minutes every Wednesday for the whole month of February. Well, the Desperado is back at it. We're going to give you 11 wings every 11 minutes for the whole month of February for our 11th anniversary. So I don't know how that's going to work, but we're going to do it, and you're going to love it. So you're going to have, I don't even know, what's the math on that? I guess quite a few opportunities (laughs) to win wings tomorrow Uh, during our newest edition of Wing It Wednesday, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Uh, If you know me, if you know this show, you know that I'm a sometimes exhaustive contrarian, and uh, sometimes I I I get very stuck in how I think about certain things and certain ways of being. But I will say, to my own credit, that I'm rarely ever wrong about these sort of things, uh, if you've been listening along, you know that I think Russell Wilson is disingenuous. I think Russell Wilson is a complete facade. I think Russell Wilson, now that he's not playing for Pete Carroll with one of the best defenses in NFL history and uh, an offense that can run the ball, I think he sucks. Sean Payton, the news of the day, has been hired as the Denver Broncos head coach. Will that fix all the ails of the Denver Broncos? I think not. they got to figure out what they're doing with the guy under center first and foremost. The Broncos have great talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They have some good offensive skill guys. I think a lot of those guys are a little bit overrated, but maybe it's just because they've been playing with Drew Locke and and Russell Wilson. Maybe, you know, Jerry Judy and, and, uh, you know, Hamler and and all those guys, Cortland Sutton, I think they're all pretty okay. I think they're pretty good. Maybe they can become really good uh, with a different head coach. We'll see. It's been totally bizarre to me, though, to watch John Elway, one of the greatest football players of all time move into the uh, front office for the Denver Broncos and just be so so mediocre. I mean, they've had some high moments, I guess, since always been in the front office, specifically when Peyton Manning led them to a Super Bowl. I should say Peyton Manning and Vaughn Miller. But lately, I mean, from Paxton Lynch to Drew Locke, from Vic Fangio to uh, Vance Joseph to um, Nathaniel Hackett, they, they haven't had good... Quarterback picks, quarterback options. They haven't had good head coach picks or head coach options. Sean Payton is very good. I think it's crazy that Sean Payton, and the the specifics of this deal have not fully been solidified yet. I think Sean Payton's very good. Is he worth a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and Whatever he demands for a salary, which I bet is top three in the NFL, so upwards of ten million dollars, and maybe even as close as twenty million dollars, has been speculated. Is he worth that? I don't know. I mean, Sean Payton has a Super Bowl ring, but he only has one. He's not Bill Belichick. He's not Andy Reid. Uh, You know, so th- there's there's some stuff to be accomplished there for sure. A lot of times, though, the, the trades for coaches, quote-unquote trades for coaches, have worked out. A lot of times, they haven't worked out. We'll go through some of those scenarios uh, later on this week. But the news of the day in the NFL, Sean Payton, uh, at least sources say, heading to the Denver Broncos. Now, they got to figure out a way to have Russell Wilson not work out for five hours as they're flying back on an airplane. No one is now. We'll be back at it tomorrow around the Big Sky Women's Hoops, the ESPN Roundtable, and Grizz Hockey. We'll see ya at 4pm. In the meantime, have yourself a wonderful Tuesday evening and drive slow out there. The roads are not good. So be safe. We'll see you tomorrow. is now ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine Delanz of the Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know, if you've been in an accident, the Advocates can surely help you. What sort of expertise do you guys have when it comes to uh, any sort of personal injury, accidents, things like that?